When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, at least now people are saying out loud what we've always known. The media in the NFL, the African-American media in the NFL, doesn't like Brock Purdy or Josh Allen because they're white. Now, I don't know what Bomani Jones is in media, and I don't know why I even care about what he says, but Ryan Clark is like the darling of ESPN and the darling of the national media, and he admits to lying we're going to get in to all of that. No, I'm not going to talk about the Pacers, even though they're the most exciting team in the NBA. I won't do it. This is a national show. Win something, Pacers, before we get after it. I am going to give you, and I'm going to tell you why, uh, my top four in order quarterbacks left in the NFL. I don't think it'll surprise you. Hey, we got Senator Tommy Tuberville coming. Talk about someone with some sack. I can't wait. Let's do this. Don't at me. Starts now. You know, one of the great things about the world we live in is coded language has been exposed. And mostly it's coded language by white dudes, by white companies, by white bosses. But coded language has always been, always, not even a thought not been in sports broadcasting forever. And it really came to the forefront, coded language did, over the last few years, post-George Floyd. White dudes have to be very careful with what they say. Black dudes will say whatever they want to say. However, they got to be a little bit careful when somebody is good enough. Somebody has more power. Somebody has proven themselves, even though they don't believe in them. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Brock Purdy. I'm talking about Josh Allen. I'm talking about Bomani Jones. I'm talking about Ryan Clark. Look, Bomani Jones is accusing the media. Of course, there is absolutely... No evidence of this. He's accusing the media of favoring Josh Allen. Why? Wait for it. Because he is white. Ryan Clark, who is ESPN darling, admitted on ESPN that he is willing to lie about his opinion. He elaborated further. He's, quote, glad he doesn't have to pretend he thinks Brock Purdy is good anymore. Can you imagine? I just want you to think for a second. I think about this all the time. Can you imagine you're the quarterback? You're going in to the conference championship. You're Brock Purdy or you're whomever. And you got these clowns criticizing you every day. See, it used to be about winning. The boss man Gary and I were just talking about Adrian Griffin, who I really like. I remember recruiting Adrian Griffin 100 years ago. But anyway, long story short, he gets fired. He's 30 and 13. Results used to matter. Results used to matter across the board. Results used to matter in business. Results used to matter in sports. Record mattered whether you are a jockey or whether you are a head basketball coach in the NBA. Record mattered. Remember, winning is the great antiseptic. Well, you're Brock Purdy, and every day you got to listen to these clowns criticizing you. Look, hey, I'm not saying he played great. I thought he was pretty bad, but I'll tell you this. 
when it came to uh-uh cutting time, uh-uh cutting time is where you make your money in the NFL, uh-uh cutting time is where Joe Montana became Joe Montana, Tom Brady became Tom Brady. Well, guess what? During uh-uh cutting time, Brock Purdy made the best throws of the day. Brock Purdy put the ball where it needed to be, and Brock Purdy led his team to a win at the end of a monster playoff game. And frankly, frankly, that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you become Patrick Mahomes. That's how you become Tom Brady. That's how you become Joe Montana. That's how you become a guy. You can throw for a bazillion yards, and you can become Dan Dan Marino. You can throw for a bazillion yards. You can become anybody you want. But if you do it in uh uh-uh cutting time, say it with me, uh uh-uh cutting time, then guess what? You become a legend. And that's what Purdy did. And I understand it just grinds the gears. It just grinds African-Americans in the media. Not all. Not all. Of course not. Some aren't making their living on race. Bamani Jones, Ryan Clark are. That's what they do. That's how they become popular. But it's sad that blatant racism gets to go on our airways and is even encouraged to go on our airways. Uh, Here we go. When I'm talking about four or five guys in the AFC, it's three black dudes and Josh Allen. So, yeah, I do think some people are going to give Josh Allen too many points because me and Dominique Fockworthy also talk about it all the time, about the times in our lives that we all gave black dudes too many points. Fair. Well, that's what you do now. Like, this is what I don't understand. This is why the... Vocal minority dislikes me. I don't give anybody points. I don't give you points for being black. You had nothing to do with being black. I don't give you points for being white. I don't care who we are. We judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. We judge people by their play, not what color they are. I do think the NFL has a little bit of, I don't want to call it a crisis, but something's changing that they've never had before, which is the best quarterbacks are black. So what? Part of the success of this league has been built around the fact that they had all these great athletes and they still had white faces to sell everything. It's been the same for six years, unlike any quarterback I've ever seen. People want it for Josh Allen so bad, it's the damnedest thing. Boy, I disagree with that. I, I don't know anybody that wanted it for Josh Allen other than Buffalo Bills fans, other than people that had bet on the Bills. I mean, there's no evidence of any of this. There's no evidence that the Q rating of Josh Allen is off the charts because he's white. There's no evidence of anything that this has, uh, this jackass has to say. But if he doesn't say it, he becomes irrelevant. What's he going to do? Break down a blitz? What's he going to do? Break down a trap? Ball screen defense? Ball screen offense? No. The only thing Bomani Jones has is race. That's it. And if he didn't have it, He wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't even be talking about him. In fact, I don't even know why I'm talking about him, but I feel like talking about him. And then on the other other side, you've got Ryan Clark. Now, Ryan Clark is the guy that's the darling. He got an Emmy for being the best studio analyst. There's never been a time, ever, that I have said, oh, mate, Ryan Clark's talking. I want to hear what he has to say. Not one time. There's been plenty of times that I've done that with Charles Barkley. Plenty. Long story short, Ryan Clark is a diversity propped upper. If Ryan Clark were a white dude saying the same things, he'd be fired, but he's not, so he won't. But here's what Ryan Clark had to say about how he's been lying on television about Brock Purdy. And I'll tell you why he's been lying 
after we hear from Ryan Clark. The single hardest thing I had to do this year was act like Brock Purdy deserved to be in the conversations with the other people we're mentioning in that tweet. Mm. Because he was playing extremely well and operating in that offense and distributing the ball to Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, we had to continue to include him in conversations with the Lamar Jacksons. We had to continue to include him in conversations with the Josh Allen. Those things are not alike. Brock Purdy is a fine player. Brock Purdy can operate in Kyle Shanahan's offense at an extremely efficient level. Brock Purdy doesn't raise the level of play of anyone around him. And so when you talk about Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, the people around them benefit from having those sorts of players at the quarterback position. Brock Purdy benefits from having the sort of players he has at the skill positions around him. And it's all because he's white. You can say it. We know the deal. Of course we know the deal. The hardest thing I had to do was pretend that Brock Purdy was any good. And then the next sentence was, although he was playing excellent football. Can you play that again? Can you play the start of that again? I just want you to listen to the start of this. Will you please? I'll tell you when to stop it if you don't mind. I had to do this year was act like Brock Purdy deserved to be in the conversations with the other people we're mentioning in that tweet. Mm. Because he was playing extremely well and operating That's it. In that That's offense. enough right there. That's good. The hardest thing I had to do was say Brock Purdy deserved to be in the conversation with other of these players. But because he was playing extremely well, and then he goes and operating in that offense. Well, what offense does anybody operate in? I mean, what offense, when you get a guy like Lamar Jackson, everybody said, well, you got to change your offense. Okay, you get a guy like Brock Purdy, you got to change your offense. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, but it is pretty funny. He deserved, he, 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 the hardest thing I've had to do, man, the hardest thing I had to do uh, was deal with some health concerns. Hardest thing I had to do, a lot harder than say Brock Purdy's really good. Ryan Clark's got a hell of a life. But you can go ahead and say it, Ryan. He's a white dude. Hardest thing I had to do was give this little white dude credit because any guy in that position could have done the same thing. You can say it. We know it. We know the deal. We do. You think we're stupid? I just look stupid. I just look like Mo Larry Curly. <laughs> we know. You're not fooling us. All right, let's then morph into my rankings. My rankings of the four quarterbacks that are left in the NFL. I'm going to go to number four first, and it's Brock Purdy. Now, let me say this without race involved even a little bit. I thought Brock Purdy was horrible. I thought he was awful the other day. The numbers are good, 31 to 11. That's great. Wonderful. Yay, Rock. Go fight, win. 4,200 yards, more than Mahomes. I would not have guessed it. I would not have guessed more touchdowns than Mahomes. I would not have guessed more, less interceptions than Mahomes. But there's absolutely no way in holy hell that I'm putting Brock Purdy ahead of Patrick Mahomes. But I will say this, and again, I go to this because this seems to be the most important thing that there is in the NFL. How are you coming up in uh-uh, cutting time? That's the whole thing, and Purdy did. 
So while I watched him play for basically three and a half quarters, and I said to myself, you know, I haven't seen a quarterback miss like this. I I haven't seen a quarterback miss receivers this badly. I haven't seen a quarterback be this inaccurate, float the ball, look like he's got no arm strength. For about three and a half quarters, that's what I did, didn't you? I mean, it's impossible for me to say anything other than, uh, hey, look, this guy stinks. I wouldn't even be Clark. I wouldn't even be Ryan Clark. I would just be like, hey, and I'm telling you right now, my own show. For three and a half quarters, Brock Purdy stunk. And then he did what you do when you're the San Francisco 49er quarterback, at least historically, Steve Young, Joe Montana. I'll go to John Brody if you want. You come up during uh, cutting time. And he did. Jared Goff. Let me tell you something about Jared Goff. Jared Goff throws a damn nice football. Like, the best thrower that most of us my age have ever seen is Dan Marino. But I've always put Tom Brady in that category. I've always put Tom Brady in there because when I watch Tom Brady throw a football, how do you want it thrown? Do you want it thrown on a dime, 90-mile-an-hour fastball that's got to get between two defenders into the stomach of Gronkowski? Do you want a nice floating deep ball that you're going to let a wide receiver run under? Do you want a 50-yard across the field, 10-yard out? Whatever you wanted, Tom Brady could throw it. And he stood up like a freaking stud. Now, you got to understand, man, Tom Brady is big. Tom Brady is really big. Tom Brady's one of those dudes that you go, damn, I didn't know he was that big in person. But he's actually bigger in person. Jared Goff's got a lot of that in him. Is he Tom Brady? No. Is he going to be Tom Brady? I don't know. I can't imagine he'll win as many Super Bowls. But he's already been to a Super Bowl. He's he's one game away from going to another Super Bowl. He's got 4,575 yards, 30 touchdowns, 12 interceptions this year. Again, that's more than both Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. He throws a great ball. He's on a football team that seems to have an esprit de corps that's unlike any other. I'm not counting him out, and I'm not counting him out during uh, cutting time. Now, we're going to see because these two games this weekend are going to be decided by a couple of things. Obviously, they're going to be decided by quarterback play. And the rankings that I put in here, I put these rankings in most likely to come through and not screw it up. So two things. You come through in the clutch, uh uh-uh, cutting time, and you don't screw it up, meaning you don't throw a ball across your body into the middle of the field, and next thing you know, it's an interception. Can't do that. No. I would say that Purdy's the most likely to screw it up. I would say that Goff is second. I would say that Mahomes is third. Now, Mahomes second in quarterback rating, but here's the deal. Patrick Mahomes learned. Remember a few weeks ago, there's a couple things I've told you in this NFL season that have been absolute pure gold, and I don't know if anybody's caught on. One, when Brandon Staley picked up Joey Bosa or whatever Bosa, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa helmet after Bosa had thrown a tantrum and cost his team a penalty, basically costing him the game and handed it back to Bosa. I told you, Staley's got to go. You cannot have that. The other thing, that I told you, was that Patrick Mahomes was making turnovers, throwing interceptions about four or five games left in the season because he didn't respect his opponent. 
He did not respect his opponent, and he learned in that three turnover, three interception game a while back, he learned to respect his opponent, and he's not doing the same thing anymore. He's not. He's not. He's throwing it down on the ground. He's throwing it up into the crowd. He's not trying to fit it in. However, here's the deal. That's inside you. That's inside you. You know, sometimes, like Popeye, I am's who I am's, right? Sometimes you are who you are. And Mahomes has fought the resist, has fought the urge to be disrespectful of his opponents and not taking them into account when he throws a 50-50 ball and a true 50-50 ball, meaning his receiver's here, the defender is here, who's going to get the ball? He lacked respect, Mahomes did. He did. He learned respect, but is it still in him? I'm curious, because here's the difference between Mahomes, and they're similar, they're very similar in this aspect. Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Mahomes is always looking to throw when he's running. Jackson, once he makes the decision to run, is pretty much, I'm gone. So let me ask you, what's the difference? Well, the difference is, you're scrambling, you're in the pocket, you figure it out, you think you're going to run, you get to about the four, uh, four or five feet, two yards maybe, in front of the line of scrimmage, and then you decide to make a pass. Ripe for interception, ripe for great play, but that's ripe for interception. Nine times out of ten, when, Pat, when Lamar Jackson takes off and he is a yard in front of the line of scrimmage, the yard marker, he just takes off. And that eliminates what? That eliminates one of two ways to make a turnover, a fumble or an interception. It eliminates the interception. And then his legs are so good and his patience is so good, that, and, and Mahomes is the same. Not only do they both get out of trouble, but they gain significant yards. And they seemingly never really get popped. Now, I don't know if that's scripted by the NFL. Hey, look, don't hit Mahomes. Don't hit Jackson. We're all getting fat off stars. Let's get fat off stars, please, shall we? But the fact of the matter is, Jackson eliminates one of them, and that's the interception because he just takes off. It is going to be determined by which quarterback plays great during uh -uh, cutting time. It's going to be determined by, oh, man, I hate to say it. There's going to be a kicker determined something. There's going to be a kicker. There just is. There's going to be a kicker. There always seems to be in one of these games a kicker is going to determine it. And of all the sports parents, I don't want to be. I've said this forever. I'll say it again. I won't stop saying I've never, ever, ever wanted to be the parent of a kicker. I have a friend, my wife's best friend. Their son's a kicker for the University of Toledo. And I asked the, the mom and the dad, what's that like? I'm miserable. Just miserable. Horrible. Just absolutely horrible. Awful. The worst. The worst. The worst. Well, your quarterback, your turnovers, and your kicker. And it's all under the umbrella of you can't win the game if you don't put pressure on the quarterback, period. You can't win the game. But that's the game. Who is least likely to screw it up? Who is most likely to screw it up? Least likely, I think it's Jackson. Most likely, I think it's Purdy. May not be at the end with a mistake, 
but it may be with floated passes, missed receivers early in the game when the game is like 7-7 or when you're up 7-zip and you got a chance to make it 14 and you make two bad passes. Watch for that as we move forward. You know, in college and professional basketball, I want you to hear me out here. People always talk about coaches. People always talk about, hey, coaches got to relate to players. Okay. Is there anything more relatable to an NBA player than a coach that has to pay $32,500 a month in child support for a, quote, love child? Is there anything more I relate, fellas? It's like the Sean Kemp rule. I relate. Well, how do you relate to us, coach? Well, I relate because I got to pay big alimony because, well, I got a love child and I was screwing around. That's Emi Udoka. Emi Udoka. Remember him? He was a Celtics coach. Handed the Celtics job on a platter. Did a great job. Highly regarded. He's got to pay $32,500 a month in child support to Nina Long. For the ex-couple's 12-year-old son, the judge rules, one year after his affair with a Celtic staffer led to his exit in Boston. Now, I don't know if this is politically correct or not anymore, but it sure is factual. James Worthy, NBA player, got caught with a hook. James Worthy famously said, look, I don't pay for the sex. I pay for the silence. I pay for the silence. I pay for the discretion. I pay to be discreet. Look, you start stripping your neighbor's wife, somehow somebody's going to know about it. You start stripping a coworker, somehow somebody's going to know about it. James Worthy said, nay, nay, Nanook, I'm paying for discretion. Well, let's think about it. That guy is paying $32,500 a month. 500 a month's enough. I don't know about you, but over 10 months, that's 325,000. You add another 65,000 to that, and oh, I don't know, that's $390,000 a year. All because you decided you were going to have an affair with a staffer. That's the most expensive sex that I know. Now, discounting, discounting divorce. Michael Jordan's divorce cost a ton of money. Star's divorce, I'm talking about an affair. Now, I'm sure there's more. But when I think about sports, I think about, huh, you lose your job as a head coach of the Celtics. Now, you get another job. You're the Houston Rockets head coach. Good for you. You're highly regarded. The team seems to be, be doing better. But I got to tell you, 390000 for some sex? Huh. Lose your job? For some sex, most importantly, I'm guessing, probably was a good dad to the 12-year-old. Going to lose custody over some sex with a Boston Celtics staffer. Man, oh man, oh man. As they say, ladies and gentlemen, and you know where I'm going with this, it is undefeated. But that's not, only, that's not the only weird news coming out of the NBA. Adrian Griffin was 30. And 13, and the boss man Gary was in my ear today. We were chatting before the show, and he's like, 30 and 13 used to mean something. Remember, even last night, I'm watching Illinois State 
who was on a six-game losing streak. They had won a game at Missouri State. They won last night, and the announcer said, you know what? Winning is the great antiseptic, anesthetics, antiseptic, whatever. It covers up everything. Well, it used to be that way. And 30 and 13, I don't know, that puts you in plenty of Hall of Fames. But they fired him, and here's the weird thing. Adrian Griffin was the coach of the Bucs, and he's out, 30 and 13. Here's the weird thing. Terry Stotts is a name a lot of you may remember. Terry Stotts, a longtime NBA coach, including being the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers during Dame Lillard's heyday. So Dame Lillard comes over to the Bucs. Terry Stotts comes over to the Bucs as an assistant coach under Adrian Griffin. Weirdly, in camp, training camp, Terry Stotts, a lifetime NBA coach, quits out of the blue. And he did not quit saying the nicest things about the franchise. He did not quit saying, oh, it's all flowers and bouquets. I need to go see my wife. I need to go see my kids. I need to go see my wife, my kids, my girlfriend, my dog. No, none of that. He just said, hey, boom, I thought something's weird. I thought there was something afoot here. Terry Stotts, by every account, every human being alive, is a really good dude. He's from Bloomington, Indiana. He played at Oklahoma, had a really good career, played in the NBA for a minute, and has been from job to job in the NBA, including many head coaching jobs, and just seen as a great dude. I mean, that's just who he is. So when he all of a sudden quits, it leads me to this. What's the backstory? I'll give you the easy backstory. There have been steady rumblings for weeks in NBA circles that several Bucks veterans, including Giannis, have lost faith in Griffin. What appeared to be a smart hire last spring just never worked out. Well, let me see if I understand this. 30 and 13? And you're kind of your 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 team is kind of in a flux. You're getting some new guys in there. You're bringing new blood. You're... So if that didn't work out, and it clearly it didn't, and Mannix, Chris Mannix isn't wrong because well they fired the guy. But damn, what do you got to be for it to work out? I mean, what has to happen here for something to work out? It's really fascinating. So we got two coaches. One. Adoka, who decided he's got to go sling that thing around, costing him $390,000 a year. We got another coach who had a great coach. I don't know about great coach, but Terry Stott's a great guy and a fantastic coach. Resigned to start the year and now midway through the year, doesn't even make it to the All-Star game in his first freaking season on the job. It's very weird. NBA coaches, man, you are getting to be like players. A lot of sex. And you get cut for weird stuff. All right, this story is going to get bigger. This story is going to get bigger, I promise you. So Netflix is suddenly challenging ESPN. Now, how is this true? Netflix is a player, going to be a player. They got a ton of cash. They're flush with cash for NBA, UFC, and other live sports. You know what Netflix just did? $5 billion deal with WWE Raw. WWE Raw has floated around a little bit. WWE Raw is uber popular. WWE Raw is an event every week. And WWE Raw just got bought and is headed to the streaming site Netflix. Now, how about that? WWE Raw is moving to Netflix in January 2025. 
This is a major game changer. Yeah, it is. The first time Netflix has gone full in on live sports. Smart move by both. WWE stock soaring this morning. The big question, of course, and this is the question, is what about other sports? If any, are next. If the big tech companies, Clay is saying, like Amazon, Apple, Netflix, all of which have live sports now, ever go all in on sports, then the current TV networks are finished in sports. They can't compete in terms of the money. That's why I'm saying this is a huge deal. Contracts are coming up. NBA deals coming up. I know we all like our TV. We bitch about our TV. We bitch about our cable provider. We bitch about whoever it is that is responsible for taking it from the camera to the screen. My camera, my, my stuff sucks. This sucks. This is bad. Okay, fine. But get ready. Get ready. Because it's a changing. You know, what do they say about most things? When you open up that can and the worms jump out, you're not putting the worms back in. That's true. Like the streaming service, Prime Video, you got to pay for to watch Thursday Night Football. You got to pay for Peacock all of a sudden. Last night, Big Ten games were on Peacock, two of them. You already got the Big Ten Network. You already got ESPN, ESPN, one Fox, one Fox, blah, 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 blah. But Peacock, you got to pay for it. It ain't going away. Notre Dame's on there. Big Ten's on there. Pretty powerful. Don't be surprised if coming soon to a negotiation near you, Amazon with all its money, Apple with all its money, Netflix with all its money and desire, next thing you know, the NBA is fantastic on Amazon Prime. All right. I got to ask you a question. Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is, by all accounts, headed to the Chargers. Jim Harbaugh, by all accounts, is just waiting to finalize a deal that's going to pay him upwards of $12.5 million a year. There are some smaller issues that need to be worked out. There is a sentiment that Jim Harbaugh is going to bring his staff. I saw this this morning. He's going to bring his staff with him. But let me ask you a question, and I find this very, very interesting. Very interesting. Do you take Sharon Moore with you? Like, if I'm Michigan, that offensive coordinator, Sharon Moore, did one hell of a job of navigating through this season, particularly the last three games, particularly Ohio State-Michigan. That guy on the sideline beat Ohio State as an interim head coach. Now, I was an interim head coach. And that ain't the easiest thing in the world to do. But he made it look pretty easy. He made it look seamless. Now, Harbaugh could be there all the way up to the game. I get all that. I do. But if I'm Michigan, and this is the way coaching searches go. If I'm Michigan, oh, man. We lost Harbaugh. Who cares who's next? It's like dating while divorced. Eh, who cares who's next? You know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know who's next, but I know this. That Sharon Moore should certainly be in consideration, assuming he wants the gig. It'll be one of those deals like Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, where the players just go nuts. 
when they announced that Sharon Moore is going to be the head coach. Is it going to happen? I'm not 100% sure, but it sure seems like there's a lot of smoke around here. It sure seems like there is a lot of momentum for this to be getting done as early as today. You know what I'm saying? As early as today. So long story short, if you're Michigan, do you hire Sharon Moore? Biggest job in the country. One of the biggest jobs in the country. You can make the argument the biggest as we sit here right now. National champion. Built really, really in a lot of ways from scratch. Maybe it was built with cheating. Sure seems like it was. If you're Sharon Moore, do you want to follow Harbaugh? You're only going to get one opportunity to become the head coach at the University of Michigan. You ain't getting two. It's like Coach Knight used to say to guys when he offered them assistant job, look, Take the job, or else you go to the end of the line, and it's a long-ass line. It's true. It's very, very true. I don't know, but I'm fascinated by this. Now, Harbaugh is supposedly taking a guy from here, a man named Ed Dobbs. Ed Dobbs has been an assistant uh, uh, general manager to Chris Ballard, a loyal assistant. Now, word on the street is somehow they are connected at the hip. They worked together a long time ago. San Francisco liked each other. That's the word on the street. Now, Ed Dobbs has been a part of a 10-year operation here in Indianapolis. I don't know why you would want Ed Dobbs and all the lack of success they've had here at Indy, but hey, every job is different. Tom Telesco. Tom Telesco was here at Indy. He went... To the Chargers, a lot of people think he, Telesco, was more responsible for Brandon Staley or more responsible than Brandon Staley for getting the Chargers and everybody fired. Telesco got fired. Guess what? He's well thought of. Guess what? He is named now the general manager of the Las Vegas Raiders. How about that? It's weird. It's very, very weird. Some dudes get second chances like that, and Telesco's one. Dobbs is going to get a first chance. Harbaugh's going to get a shot. Do you hire Sharon Moore? These are the things I'm really, really, really interested in. Really interested in. All right, this is a little off script, Dylan, but here's the deal. Um, the deal is simple. You ready? When I was a kid, I bet you guys did this, too, at least if you're my age. You would always say, who's a Hall of Famer? Who's a Hall of Famer? Yesterday, the Baseball Hall of Fame announced itself. And we would. I remember doing this like it was my job, whether it was over beers at Milan's on 51st and Broadway and Gary, whether it was during break time when we were snapping lines on roofs at IUN. Uh, you know what? Who's a Hall of Famer? Todd Helton's a Hall of Famer. Adrian Beltre's a Hall of Famer. Joe Mauer's a Hall of Famer. I suppose, I mean, let me ask you a question. And I really want, I I understand numbers matter in baseball. And I'm really not going to get into all the numbers, okay? Like, Beltre doesn't have 500 home runs, but he's close. He played for a long time. Todd Helton. Todd Helton, terrific. Todd Helton beat out Peyton Manning, starting quarterback, University of Tennessee. Everybody loves Todd Helton. But did you ever say when the Rockies were coming to your town 
hey, man, we got to go watch Todd Helton. Did we ever? Did, did, did we ever do that? Did we ever say, hey, look, I need to go see Todd Helton? I don't think so. Joe Maurer was a terrific athlete. He was the best athlete in the history of the state of Minnesota. Won a state championship in baseball. Was the National Football and Baseball Player of the Year. I'm sorry, he won a state championship in basketball. Was the state's player of the year in baseball. State's player of the year in football. Signed to go to Florida State in football. The National Player of the Year in football. Think about that. And the National Player of the Year in baseball. He's super Joe Maurer. But I'm sitting there, and I'm like, yeah, all right, okay. You know, Helton batted 316 over 17 years. I guess that's enough. I don't know. But I'm not – I always look at it like if you're a Hall of Famer, I want to go see you play. I don't know if Gary or Aaron, you guys are watching this or not – But if you are, let me know if you think I'm off base on this. Do you think it's just numbers? And I know it's just numbers. It has to be just numbers. Has to be. Because there's nobody other than if you are Todd Helton's family, there's nobody unless you were a Colorado Rocky fan that went out of their way and said, yeah, man, I got to go see Todd Helton. Let me put on my uniform, my Todd Helton jersey. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't think you did. And that's how I look at it. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. The steroid guys, I really like Gary Sheffield Jr. I don't really know him. He's been on the show. I followed him on Twitter. He's followed me. He congratulates me. I congratulate him on stuff. And I remember watching Gary Sheffield Sr. when he was a kid. Doc Gooden, Vance Lovelace, Gary, uh, Gary Sheffield, uh, missing some. They came to Gary, Indiana to play in the Senior League World Series with the Tampa team. And I'm like, wow, these guys good. Vance Lovelace ended up pitching for years with the Expos, and he was better than Doc Good. But I remember Doc Good. I remember all those guys. They had all kind of players. I've always been a fan of those guys because of that. And I was rooting like crazy. I really was. I was rooting like crazy for Gary Sheffield. Sorry he didn't get in, Gary Jr., he deserved to. There's your voting right there. 95% for Beltre, 79, 80% for Helton. Billy Wagner, ah, it's just tough. He was lights out. He was lights out. I always got Carlos Beltran and Adrian Beltre mixed up. Manny Ramirez, obviously, Alex Rodriguez, both the Hilmer Hall of Famers. When you watch them play, yes, people did say, I'm going to go watch Manny being Manny. Yes, they did say, I'm going to go watch A-Rod play. Yes, they're Hall of Famers, but Royds is going to keep them out. And probably should, because it's not a victimless crime. All right, when we come back, get ready for it, Gritty. Get ready. Jay Hutt, Jonathan Hutton joins us next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, real quick, college basketball last night. This is going to get interesting. What's today, like the 24th, 25th, 23rd, 22nd, whatever the hell it is. I'm not so sure Juwan Howard's going to be able to survive at Michigan. We're going to talk some NFL coming up with Jonathan Hutton. But before Jay Hutt joins us, 99-67 last night at Purdue. They were doubled up. They were, they were doubled up at halftime. And congratulations. Goes out to South Carolina, man. They beat the living dog. They boat raced Kentucky last night. And you know what? Kentucky looked awful. And Kentucky had not been looking awful. Kentucky had been looking really, really good. It's going to be interesting, college basketball, as we, we've, we've talked about. I'm going to ask Jonathan Hutton right now. Jay Hutt is with us. So I'm going to ask him right now. I was talking about college basketball and how there are going to be some jobs open. If you're Michigan – and Jim Harbaugh goes to the Chargers as it seems like it's happening. Are you hiring Sharon Wright, the kid, the guy, not the kid, the guy that took over certainly the last three games? Yeah, I am. Uh, because, uh, Dan, good to see you. I'm, I'm hiring more because at this point of the offseason, um, what do you do unless you know Brian Kelly, for instance, is jumping from LSU? The ripple effect from that would be incredible. Uh, the only name I've heard is Brian Kelly. Uh, I say I've heard that have been floated out there as a rumor. Brian Kelly or Lance Leipold. Uh, but Sharon Moore has been placed in this position by Jim Harbaugh. He was one of the ones that was suspended for the first three games of the season. The coordinators, they had, and there was, a, I believe, a, a linebackers coach maybe as well, who was uh, suspended for one game of the three self-imposed for the incident that took place with recruiting during COVID. Uh, other than that, it's been more that's been in this position. And Dan, I, I, I think that Jim Harbaugh wants Sharon Moore to get it. I've said with Chad on Hot Mike, I think that's part of the emotion that he showed after the Penn State win when he's crying on the sideline talking about Jim Harbaugh and how difficult it was on the team to get ready for that game. I, I think all of that combined, Moore knows he's getting the job, and that's why Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, is going to be going with him to San Francisco, or excuse me, uh, to uh, near said San Diego, to Los Angeles with the Chargers. Whenever um, you know he takes this gig, whenever Harbaugh's the next head coach, that means Minter's going with them and Moore's staying. And I think that's uh, that's what Michigan should do at this point. I don't know if you feel the same way. I think it's just way too late in the process, and they already know who their guy's going to be. I feel 100%. I, I feel, you know what, I mean, damn, rarely do you get to hire a guy that's 1-0 in the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, and he's 1-0, but I thought he handled himself great. I yeah. thought the whole thing was seamless. And I think it would be one of those deals where, you remember when uh, Marcus Freeman got hired at Notre Dame and he jumped oh, into yeah. the players and all that kind of stuff? Yep. I, I think it would be one of those. Now, we'll, we'll see how long and that type thing lasts. Go ahead. And it should it should have been it should have been Clark Lee, by the way. I say should have been Clark Lee, the head coach of the Vanderbilt Commodores, would have been the next head coach at Notre Dame. 
He was the defensive coordinator, left a year early, and decided to take the head coaching job at Vandy. Had he stayed, he would have been elevated into that position that Marcus Freeman was in because Marcus Freeman got that gig based on Clark Lee taking the job at Vanderbilt. And let me say this, too. Jim Harbaugh gets what he wants. Jim Harbaugh, what, I think, um, uh, forgive me, I forget his last, or his first name, Dobbs in Indianapolis, the general manager in, in, in Los yeah, Angeles, Ed could Dobbs. end up being, oh, Ed Dobbs, could end up being with him there. He's he's already agreed to the money, according to Armando. They're getting the staff and the GM position filled. So he's getting everything he wants with the Chargers, and he's already getting everything he wants in Michigan, including, I think he's, uh, you know, he has knighted the new uh, Michigan coach whenever he leaves. And it's not going to be an easy gig, by the way. Uh, they're losing a, a ton of NFL talent. And Moore's also going to be losing some of his coaching staff based on what reports are and who Harbaugh's taking with him. Yeah, and by all accounts, Ohio State is kind of raiding Alabama, which is weird for some really yeah. good players. Not some kind of good players, some established players, right? Yeah. I, I mean, and um, Bama, I mean, the open portal, if your coach leaves, you have a 30-day open window where you can enter the transfer portal. Uh, and on top of that, you have the portal period that's right after spring ball. Uh, but I think that's in in line with why you would want to keep Sharon Moore, honestly, because the, the, the players who would be entering the portal have also seen him on game day. They've seen him in the locker room. They've seen him at halftime for those three games towards the end of the season. But beyond that, too, they've seen him in action. Uh, I think they they like him. And by the let's just mention his coaching acronym too. Uh, that fourth and two call against Bama, let's just tie that in. Um, uh, there are a lot of good things about the Michigan offense that you could point to and say, this guy's ready for an opportunity. I don't know about the, the, the rung on the ladder, so to speak, on how ready you are for a position like that. But his offenses are, are highly efficient. I think they only had eight turnovers all season. That's incredible. I think they were third or fourth in the nation in turnovers. Um, and their offensive lines have been award-winning offensive lines for the last two or three years. I, I, he's He knows what he's doing. The question is, in the recruiting aspect of everything, Dan, and they're not like top 10 in, in recruiting like you will see with Ohio State or Bama. What happens when the portal opens? Because coaches have also known that Harbaugh's going to bolt. I think we've, we've all been anticipating right. this. The players have too. So what's the business of college football like behind the scenes with this roster? I don't know. I don't either, but I know there are going to be a lot of private planes flying into Ann Arbor to try to figure this whole thing out and try to get some players yeah. coming. All right. right, you're right there. You're at the you're at the epicenter. You're in the middle of it. Brian Callahan, is he going to be the next guy? I, I, maybe he's already been introduced. I didn't see that yet. Is he the next guy, and what about him? Yeah, he, he's the next guy. I mean, there's, there's too many – uh, cartwheels being turned by the local media here in many ways yeah. uh, over the fact that they've gone the opposite direction of Mike Vrabel, which is a defensive-minded head coach. I Look, I'm not turning cartwheels over the fact they hired an offensive-minded guy. They did that with Ken Wisenhunt, and it failed miserably. But I like the trend that the Titans are following. Uh, you know, the, Tom Pellicero is the one who reported that he's going to be the guy, and since then, Titans have done nothing uh, to, to make it official, but they will. Um the, the he's, he's 39 years old. He'll be 40 in June. He's the fourth youngest head coach now in the NFL. That's the trend. And I like the fact that if you're going to actually try to develop Will Levis, you don't have to do it with an offensive coordinator uh, who's going to be hired as a head coach a year and a half from now. Instead, you're hiring an offensive coordinator 
who's going to be a head coach and can instill whatever he he wants to do with that player. I like his quarterback background. Of course, Peyton Manning uh, endorses him, but so does Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr. Um, and we've seen what he's done with Joe Burrow. I, I think it's a, it's a solid fit. I think they did a thorough job, uh, a competent job search. Let me let me phrase it that way. Will it work? Guy's never called plays, but he's apparently, according to reports, going to call plays as a head coach, first-time head coach. That's not easy. Uh, I want to see his staff. I want to see who he's bringing with him. But as far as where the Titans are and how they were hiring, they wanted someone that was going to be in lockstep with their general manager, Rand Carthon. Uh, Mike Vrabel wasn't that. Um, if you're hiring this guy, he will be. Where are you at with hiring Bill Belichick? Seemed like they were a little bit down the road with Atlanta. Seems like at least publicly that's cooled off. Who really knows? Where are you at with it? Would you hire Belichick to run your crew? I, I would hire Bill Belichick to run my crew, Dan, if I were two years, I had a two-year window. And I had the quarterback in place. I've done some interviews where I feel like I've got the coordinator or you're hiring Belichick because he's bringing Josh McDaniels with him because that duo had success. Now, what I'm not doing, I'm not going down the Bill Belichick lane and then turning around in the same breath and interviewing Bobby Slowick in Houston, their current OC for the head coaching job. Atlanta's doing both. And I don't know, I, I, I do buy into the losing momentum. I think that's a polite way of saying souring on Belichick, um, Arthur Blank and Rich McKay are thinking one thing. Bill Belichick's thinking another. Now, does that mean staff? Does that mean what they're doing with Terry Fontenot at general manager? Uh, total roster control? What they're doing at quarterback? Investment in certain areas? Don't know. But Belichick needs to make sure he gets it right with whatever landing spot he's in. And he deserves, based on where he is, to do whatever it is he wants to do based on what he's done in the past. Let's just say that. But uh, Arthur Blank hosted Bill Belichick on his yacht in the Virgin Islands for that first meeting. And then they had a second interview. And since then, we sit here and wait. Um, they're either trying to decide that they're going to meet some type of uh, ask or request or demand from Belichick. Or they're like, hey, let's, are, are we really sure we want to do this based on where our roster is and where we need to be? They want to win. Belichick has won games. Recency bias would say he's absolutely fallen flat on his face with what he's done with his coaching staff and his quarterback development. All that's true, but if I'm Atlanta, I I mean, it, it's Belichick, Vrabel, Harbaugh. And if it's not those three, what they've done is they've set themselves up to be considered a failure in the open coaching market because they've announced and told everybody they're the only one interested in Belichick. Vrabel's supposed to interview later this week. And if they don't end up with one of those two in Harbaugh's in, in Los Angeles, they're going to end up with a first-time head coach who either no one's really heard of or they've only heard of him because of two games this regular season or postseason where he's, he's coached really well in offense. Who wins this weekend? Who you got? So uh, I've got Baltimore. I, I, I hesitate to say Baltimore because... Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Let's just start. Let me go. Patrick Mahomes and Kansas <laughs> yeah. City. Let me reverse that. I, I don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. I didn't last week. No. Um, I, I would do it this week, Dan. Lamar Jackson, while he has a lot to prove, he is on a different level this year, this regular season. Um, the numbers don't just jump off the page, but it's the balance. It is the way he's managing the game. And that's not a knock either. He, he did it in the divisional round this past weekend. 
The Houston Texans had possession of the football midway through the third quarter until the end of the game for all of about five minutes total. And when you consider what they did in the long drives and the way he finished drives and the chunk yardage and the way he milks the clock, that's exactly what they're going to have to do with KC. And while KC's not this firepower offense, they did put up, what, 27 against Buffalo's defense. Now they've got to do it against the top defense in the league putting up numbers we haven't seen and sacking the quarterback in a way we haven't seen uh, combined with the yards allowed and points allowed on average. I, I like Baltimore for the total package of what that team is. And on the flip side, give me Detroit. Give me the Detroit Lions going on the road, continuing this story that has been nothing short of perfect. And they go to their Super Bowl. They go to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff, who I all, you know, I was told and I bought into, he's going to be a placeholder. He was, he was just, a salary dump for the Rams so they could acquire Stafford, who could not win a Super Bowl in Detroit. And Goff will have gone to one and gone to a second if, if this ends up holding and gone through Stafford to end up getting to the Super Bowl for the Detroit Lions. I'm pulling for them, for the fans, and I think Baltimore's the best team standing. Let me, let, let me ask you a question. Um, can anybody play in the 49ers offense? That seems to be the national narrative. Like, no. Brock Purdy's no good. Everybody can play in that offense. No. Uh, if that were true, Trey Lance would be the, would be the, uh, the quarterback right, right. now. Right. If that right. were true. Or Jimmy uh, Garoppolo. I mean, now, yeah. Or, or Jimmy Go ahead. G. Jimmy G won games too, but he was always hurt. And, and um, it, I, I understand the, the – it's a surface-level comment. I understand why, though, yeah. because there are a lot of quarterbacks through Shanahan's offense that look really good. Um, if anybody could play in that offense, I would just point to Trey Lance or I would point to the fact that they could bench Brock Purdy through the three-game skid where Shanahan was actually asked about doing that this year. And he said, no, we're sticking with our quarterback. We've got our guy. If anybody could play, they've gone to Sam Darnold, uh, who Shanahan brought in to be the backup. And Purdy's perfect for this system. He's uh, efficient. He gets the ball out. He knows where he's going with it. He knows the offense. And I think most importantly, he doesn't go to the wrong play. He knows how to read the offense, but he also knows what not to use. And I, I think that's uh, that's imperative. That's what Trey Lance wasn't doing. He's throwing picks, holding the football too long. Uh, and the accuracy on Purdy is, is really good. And here's the other, the, the X factor. Quarterbacks are judged based on playoffs. I get it. That's why Lamar Jackson has to deliver. That's why Josh Allen can't get through Mahomes, but he does during the regular season. Brock Purdy last week, when it mattered, led the team yes. down the field and, and scored. When it mattered. And he was he, he, he sucked in that game. And when it mattered, yes. it was about that drive, not that game. A flip side, Jordan Love, when it mattered, threw across his body, threw his second pick, in 10 weeks and through that as the interception that's the difference between the two and love was great this year for green bay all things considered and expectations brock purdy has been great for san francisco he's not an elite quarterback if i'm listing quarterbacks right now in the nfl he's not on that shelf but he's right there and for those that are scoffing at that look at your favorite team and your quarterback i guarantee you brock purdy's better not the vast majority of the quarterbacks that are, are currently in the league. Brock Purdy is going to be that guy. Do I think Shanahan would like an elite quarterback? Absolutely. Do I think he could win a Super Bowl of Brock Purdy? Yes. And that's the biggest storyline of the, of the, of their, their whole 
makeup in Moxie is they've got a guy who they took with the final pick in the draft who's going to end up replacing the guy that they traded future drafts for in Trey Lance, and they could possibly win a Super Bowl. And he's not even eligible for a contract extension until after next season. He's making 850000 yeah, that, that part's incredible. College, co- college quarterbacks making more uh, than him. You know what? One of the things that I said, and I will continue to say, in the NFL, you got to make plays with two minutes to go. You, you just have to. Yes. And, you know, in coaching, there's, we call it three o'clock hitters. You know, are you a three o'clock hitter? Yeah, it's great. The game starts at seven. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, basketball. There's a kid nobody's ever heard of at Indiana basketball named Magnus Pelkowski, the greatest one-on-nobody player in the history of basketball. I mean, 6'10". I, so Purdy, to me, stunk in the game, as you said, was awful in the game, and then he had to make a throw, and he made the perfect throw or two. That's what, yeah. this, that's what this time of year matters. That's it right now. Now, he, he, now here, here I am going – I'll play <clears throat> devil's advocate on what I've said. Now he's going to yeah. do it against yeah. the better defense – Better defense yes. and then potentially the best. But he goes against that in practice, uh, some, uh, with with San Francisco. But he did it against Green Bay, and he would be doing it this week against Detroit. And then potentially either KC or Ray, or the Ravens. With the, those two would be the best defenses he'll face. Point being, Dan, he's going to have to prove it. But, I mean, he's already done that and then some compared to some of the other examples we can throw out there. He's not Patrick Mahomes, uh, but of the other two quarterbacks remaining – I mean, if we're going to knock uh, Lamar Jackson, Purdy was being mentioned for MVP, and you've got Lamar Jackson who was uh, being you know, laughed at for a one and three playoff record. Meanwhile, Jared Goff was traded away, and no one's thought about him in a long time. He's right. playing for Detroit. I mean, all, it really is a great uh, semifinal for for the playoffs because of the storylines and and the fan base is involved too. Let, let's go Detroit. I want to see the Lions uh, really really get this done uh, for for the loyal and, and faithful. Uh, speaking of faithful playing San Fran, the faithful fans that have uh, stuck with it. That was when traveling with the, with the, with the Titans for, for years. That Whenever we had the, the trip to Detroit every three or four years, that was the most underrated venue for just how loud it was at Ford Field. And they, they were awful, awful. That was the most underrated stadium um, for me on the sideline was, was Ford Field for how loud it was. I was stunned the first time I was there. Yeah, man, I, I'm with you. Hey, I appreciate you, Jonathan. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Anytime, Dan. Uh, continued success. Congrats on the news, and I'll keep watching. Oh, thanks, brother. Thank you. Yep. That's Jonathan Hutton. You can catch him hot, Mike, every afternoon right here on the Outkick Network. By the way, I think Clay is going live after our show. You see right there, 4 o'clock is hot. Mike Hutton, <clears throat> excuse me, and Chad Withrow. Absolutely great. Speaking of great, Tommy Tuberville, the senator, is going to join us. Two-time SEC Coach of the Year, former Auburn coach. I got to get his take. He's been very vocal against all of the ridiculousness of the Biden presidency. Also got to get his take on Caleb DeBoer. I mean, Kalen DeBoer gets hired at Alabama. I got to know what Tommy Tuberville thinks about it. We got a lot to get into with the great senator next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Look, I love talking to Senator Tommy Tuberville for a variety of reasons, mostly because, well, he speaks frankly in a world that doesn't. But before we get into, as uh, some refer to as the clown show that is Washington, D.C., I got to ask you, Coach, Alabama, Saban gone. Thoughts on Saban and thoughts on his replacement, Caleb DeBoer. Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, I don't know, Caleb. I obviously had a great year at Washington. Uh, uh, not too many people would, would want to follow what uh, the greatest college football coach of all time has, has accomplished, Nick Saban. He's been a friend of mine for 25 years. Uh, I, I kind of saw it coming. He never mentioned it, but he and I have been working on an NIO bill along with a lot of other coaches, ADs, for the last couple of years. And he just got tired of it. Uh, and I, it wasn't just NIL. I think it, uh, he got to a point where, you know, he wanted to do maybe something else. He had accomplished so much. And I hate to see him go from uh, college sports. I think he will stay active in some way. I don't know what it is, but uh, uh, man, the success he had, you, it will never be duplicated in, in our lifetime anyway. You're the Auburn coach. He's the Alabama coach and you remain friends. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm the only coach uh, that uh, has got a winning record over Nick Saban and don't think I, I don't tell him that quite often. Uh, you know, I left and I forget what the record is, but I've got more wins than I do losses to Nick. But we had some great games. And I remember 2004 when I had the undefeated season. My closest game was was we scored at the end of the game uh, to make it 9-9, nine to nine, kicking an extra point to win the game with like a minute to go. And we missed the extra point, but they had jumped over the line of scrimmage and fell on the center and – I, and ironically, Nick, the previous year, complained about that. We changed the rule where you have to jump straight up on defense and not over into the <laughs> offensive lineman. So it was his rule that caused him to end up losing the game 10-9. to 9. But, uh, again, you can't say enough about what he's done and meant to football over, over the last uh, 25 years and what, the, what he's brought to college football in, in terms of uh, – uh, notoriety, uh, more television sets watching college football. And, uh, again, he will, he will be missed. He will really be missed. Coach, I, I'm going to get on to other things, but, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. You know, Alabama, the job was open for Saban for a reason going way back. And Alabama, you know, I mean, didn't have great success before he got there. Um how good of a job when you look at what's going on in college football? Is Alabama the best job in the country? Is it where, where, where is it in terms of jobs? Well, I'll tell you a little story about that. When I ran for this job in the Senate, even my wife said, uh, hey, you're going to run for this job. You've got to have Alabama votes. And uh, you stuck up fingers in their face. You beat them six times in a row. How are you going to get votes from Alabama? So 
I made up this little story where I'd go to speak to probably 70% Alabama fans, 30% Auburn fans. And, and, I, and somebody would ask me, say, coach, I'm an Alabama fan. Why should I vote for you uh, for this position? I said, well, first of all, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have Nick Saban because I got the rest of them fired. I went through five coaches while I was at, <laughs> at, at Auburn and, uh, and it, yeah, they, they were struggling. They had, they'd had some uh, probation uh, and uh, we got it rolling. I had a very good staff and we, we had it rolling at Auburn and winning games. But when Nick came in, he changed the, the, I guess the atmosphere in what Alabama had their possibilities of doing. And, uh, uh, he was the best guy for the job. You know, they had, they had hired uh, Rich Rodriguez uh, about a week before. And I'm thinking, man, uh, you know, I know Rich. And I think I think we'll, uh, we'll have some great games. And then all of a sudden, Rich turns the job down. And uh, they go straight to the Miami Dolphins and hire Nick Saban. I said, uh-oh. Uh, because I know the capabilities and knew the capabilities of Nick and how he could really get people uh, on his side, get them fired up. Uh, you know, and, and I've told him over the years, you know, all the games and years that you won, it's, it's, it was an impossibility of what he did of winning national championships consistently because I know more than anybody that if you can't keep a coaching staff together, that's your recruiting guys, that's the people that actually do the hard work. And every year he's losing them to head coaching jobs, the coordinators, NFL, he's having to replace them. And I'd be dang if he doesn't turn around and win, keep continuing to win in national championships. And uh, that's probably the – the best feat of coaching in my lifetime that I've ever seen in terms of consistency. And again, it won't be replicated in, in, uh, in any time in the near future. You're the first Senator. I'm going to switch to politics here a little bit. You were the first Senator to endorse Donald Trump. Why? Leadership. Uh, you can't do anything without leadership. And I'm up here every day in Washington, DC in the white house down there. You don't know who's making the calls, whether it's a bunch of generation Z, kids in the back of back rooms? Is it Obama? Uh, is it uh, uh, John Kerry? Who in the world is making decisions? You know when Donald Trump gets elected, and I've told people this, you know who has made this decision. It's not going to be anybody other than Donald J. Trump, and he's going to do it for the right reasons. Now, is it going to be the right call? I mean, that's, you know, that's like coaching. I mean, you got to win, uh, and but I think he will win because people are going to follow him. We got way too many followers up here in Washington, D.C. We don't have enough leaders that will stand up and speak their peace for the American people. The Democrats look for power and opportunity to make money. Donald Trump looks for an opportunity to help the American citizen and taxpayer. Totally different, totally different philosophy. And that's the reason it's not even going to be close running against the Democrats. And, you know, if they've got any sense, uh, I, you know, I just. I hate that a lot of people say, well, we just don't like his mean tweets. You better get over it because you're not going to have a chance to have mean tweets uh, if this socialist group continues to control our country. Uh, I saw yesterday that our president is an election denier, at least in the state of Virginia, at least with the governor of Virginia. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I saw that. Uh, you know, uh, all the Democrats, if you look at Hillary Clinton, she's never accepted that she lost. Uh Stacey Abrams, you know, the so-called savior down in Georgia, she she still thinks she's the governor of Georgia. Uh, Donald Trump won in 2020. Uh, it has been proven. Everybody will say, well, coach is an election denier. Hey, I've seen the proof. You can't tell me that uh, Joe Biden, who didn't campaign at all, 
stayed in his uh, uh, basement uh, for for a year. Donald Trump had the biggest crowds ever. I went to some of them. I introduced him at some of them, and uh, he's leading in all the states basically that he needed to to win at 11, 30, 12 at night. And then they shut the counting down, shut it down. You can't. I mean, they shut it down. They figured out how many <laughs> votes they needed to to beat him, and they did. And so uh, they can say that. Uh, you know, oh, they're denying election. Hey, by the way, it's over with, it's done. That's not going to happen this time. The president of the United States is going to win by merit uh, this time around. We are going to make sure that they don't stuff the ballot boxes, the dominion of the machines that they have are run the right way, and we have fair elections. And whoever wins, wins. Uh, that's what I want. I want the American people to pick this president, not, uh, not some backroom group. Coach, how, how do you do that? How do you ensure? I've always said, look, next election, don't go to sleep if you're a Republican. But how do you ensure that, that nothing's fixed here? Well, we got to get more people involved. And you really don't have to do it in every state. You know, you got about three-fourths of the states, you, you know, are going to be red or blue. And so uh, uh, that's not going to – unless they're real close, and most of them aren't close. But there's six or seven states you got to keep an eye on. Those state legislatures have to run those states – there will be more people from the Republican side at, at these uh, ballot boxes, these stations where people vote. Uh, again, uh, there's going to be a bigger eye in the sky when it comes to watching what's going on. We, ha- we even saw videos last time of people actually doing wrong things at the, in ballots. Uh, but they're, they're not going to try to do it. We know that. They're awful cocky about it uh, because they know they have most of the media on their side. But, uh, uh, heck, you know, we're going to go after them. And folks, this is our last chance. If if we don't if we don't run these socialists out of uh, the White House, uh, this country, I, country won't make it in the way that you and I both have grown up in, in, in the greatest country ever on the face of the earth. We're losing every day to the globalist socialist group. Coach, I, I want to. I want to get back to that, but I also want to talk about something that you are out in the forefront of, and you've been at the forefront of, and you mentioned this earlier, and I want to get back to it. You know, not only NIL, but men playing women's sports. I, It seems to me that there has been, and I'm included in this, I've been barking and hammering, but it seems to me, we just saw it in the LPGA, it seems to me that more men than ever are playing women's sports. This doesn't seem right to me. What do you got going with this? It's the end thing to do, I guess. Uh, you know, they don't want family in this country. I'm talking the Democrats globalist group. They don't want family. They don't want fathers and mothers. They want to be separated. They want the government to raise the kids and, and let them be the gender that they want to be. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's asinine. It, 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 I mean, you, you can't make it up what's going on in this country right now. And then, of course, the transgender. And I've been on top of this all along. And I tell you, uh, I got very upset when I first got here three years ago. I had a bill on the floor and we had a vote, a voice vote from each senator. And uh, it was uh, it was going and trying to prevent biological men playing in women's sports. And I had Joe Manchin even voted for him. I had a Democrat, but I had some Republicans vote against me. And uh, there were there were some people that a lot of times they go Democrat, Republican. That's fine. You got to vote for your your state. But this is not a state uh, uh, idea here. This is a globalist idea where you have 100 different genders and anybody can compete against anybody. And as you just said, now we've got uh, got a man playing in uh, 
in women's sports and in the LPGA. I mean, it, it, it's not fair and it's not safe and it's dead wrong. And uh, we're going to get this rectified if we can get the White House. We, you can get the Senate and the House all you want. You got to have somebody in that White House that's got some common sense about the United States of America. And again, that's another reason we need a leader in the White House that understands that. And that's Donald J. Trump. My guess is Trump flips the switch on this immediately and takes action on it, and there's, it's done. I know you got to go vote. You're, thanks, uh, Senator. I don't want to keep you. I know you got to get on the Senate floor and vote, but thank you for coming on. Well, the one thing I do want to say is the first thing that Joe Biden did when he took office, he allowed transgenders into our military. Trump had blocked it. And that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard because we have to pay for those transitions when they go in. A lot of people are joining the military now so they can transition to charge you, the taxpayer, $50,000, $60,000 on a medical uh, surgery. It is stupid. And we better wake up. And if we don't wake up, we're going to deserve what we get. And uh, we're going to fight for the next 10 months to this next election and hope to heck people wake up and, and see what's going on. Because if they don't, uh, it, it, it's, we're, not the, we're not the same country now. And it's even going to get twice as worse the next four years, maybe even worse than that, if we don't make this change next November. I always look at it. What's the what's the what's the end game on the other side? Like, what, what what if I'm a logical person? What's my logic in allowing this? What's my logic in allowing fifty thousand or a hundred thousand people a day to come across our borders unchecked? There is no logic to this. There is no other side to this. It's just wrong, and it needs to be stopped. It's about power. It's all it is. It's about power, getting votes. Thank God that Governor Abbott at Texas says enough's enough. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. We're protecting the people of Texas. That's my job. Come tell me uh, physically that I can't do this. And, uh, uh, you know, thank goodness we got people like that. And that's the reason we need somebody like Donald Trump that's going to not just do that there. He's going to do it in Arizona. Of course, they've got a fence in California. All the socialists out there, you know, they talk about uh, immigration. This is not immigration. This is an invasion. But they have a fence in California, but they're against fences. Okay, they're against fences. So... Uh, yeah, it's uh, a, yeah. it, it, you know, yeah, it, it's a bunch of hypocrites at all. All it is. But hey, I'm for our country and are for kids in the future. You know, we're now we're 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 supposed to be the land of the free and home of the brave. Now we're the land of free stuff. Uh, we give everybody something not to do anything. It's absolutely stupid. And we got to start going by merit again, get rid of this DEI and get back. The, the basics of how this country was made and how it was made great. Senator, again, I know you got to go, and I appreciate you staying on with me a little longer. I can do this all day. I mean, hell, we can cancel the vote, and let's just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, good being on with y'all. And, again, uh, uh, y'all do a great job. Just keep hammering it. And, again, we, we need sports, by the way. NIL, I'm a little worried about yes. NIL for, for, for college sports. I really am. We're trying on that. You know, again, everything, again, is about something, getting something for something. You know, these college athletes, I don't mind them making some money, but they get a great education and opportunity to, to do something with other people to make something out of themselves. But uh, it's not a good thing right now. It's really, it's going the wrong direction. I got, hey, look, coach, uh, the NIL thing is insane to me, and you at least need to have some guardrails, do you not? Because I talk to coaches all the time, and they're like, yeah, there's nothing illegal. It's pay for play, and there's nothing illegal. Hey, we got a great bill, and it's not my bill. Me and Joe Manchin put it together with ADs, presidents, student athletes, coaches. We put it together for a year and a half, 
and it and it helps everybody. I mean, it tries to get it back on the track. You know, the train's off the track. It helps everybody. But the Democrats want to unionize athletes. What else is new? Okay. What else is new? You can't. I mean, sometimes I wake up at night and I sweat going, you can't make this up. I mean, you can't make the stupidity up of people that think that they understand life and they've never had a real job before, you know? So, hey, got to go vote. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. Oh, man, I could talk to Senator Tubbo. I hope he runs for, I hope you run for president. Run for damn president. I'll tell you right now, he's got my vote and there is no question about it. None. Zero. Zip. I want Tommy Tuberville as our president. Period. That's it. You know, uh, what the hell Wednesday, we don't ever, ever. Do we have a stinger? That's what it's called. Do we have a stinger for what the hell Wednesday? I get fired up talking to Senator Tuberville. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. An adorable little critter gets cannibalized after sex in a first ever picture of a bizarre mating ritual. I don't know what in the hell this means, but there's a little critter. It's in Australia. A lot of weird things happening in Australia. Uh, there There is a first ever photo of a male feasting on a fellow of his species. That's right. We got cannibalistic behavior happening among little critters. They're eating each other. That's right. I don't think that we should do that. I don't think that we should eat each other. Eating each other seems to be bad. But you know what? Australia, Florida, all bets are off because it's just a weird place to be. And little varmints are going to birth. Look, it would be difficult to birth your own food. (laughs) Hey, mom, I'm hungry. Can you get knocked up? How about this? New York Post article, a student, listen to this, student thought he was hit by a rock. Actually, he had a bullet in his head and partied on Garth for days and days and days and days and days. Look, I got a friend, actually he's not a friend, he's a kid I recruited, Orlando Antigua, he's now an assistant coach I think back at Kentucky. He got a bullet, he got shot, he kept it in there. How about that? In Brazil, this student just said he's got a high spot of pain tolerance. He partied for four days with a bullet lodged in his brain. Lodged in his brain. Little did I know that all this would happen. Marteus Facio told local media, it occurred New Year's Eve, Cabo Frio, near Rio de Janeiro. He'd been hanging out with friends. All of a sudden, he felt something hit him in the head. He thought it was a rock. He didn't hear a gunshot. I thought it was a stone, a bad joke that somebody picked up and threw a rock. If there was a noise, I could imagine what it could be, but I didn't hear anything. It was completely normal. A doctor who was with his group stopped the bleeding, put ice on the wound. That's it. They put some ice on the wound. He returned to the festivities of parting. He swam in the ocean, partied on the beach, hung out with pals, all the while he had a bullet 
lodged in his head. Four days later, he realized something was wrong. He'd been driving 200 miles from Rio to his hometown of Uez de Flora when he started suffering from arm spasm. I went to take a nap, woke up, my arm feeling a little silly. Felt my fingers moving, but I didn't have confidence to pick something up. He went to the hospital. Doctors revealed he had a 9mm bullet in his head. The bullet was compressing the brain. Jeez. I tell you what. Now, I'm not going to tell you what, because I don't ever want a bullet in my head. Who wants a bullet in the head? You know, my brother and my dad used to always say, ah, it's better than a sharp stick in the eye. It is better than a sharp stick in the eye. But a bullet to the head? I don't need it in my life. Mm -mm. Uh, A passenger trapped in an airplane bathroom for an entire flight got a note from an attendant, sir. We tried our best. Man. Uh, So... Here's the deal. A spice jet, I don't even know what spice jet is. What's spice jet? A spice jet passenger had, all right, wait for it. It's the, it's the New York Post. See, it's the New York Post. Wait for it. Had the crappiest flying experience ever, ever. An unnamed flyer reporter went to use the Louvre shortly after takeoff on a one-hour, 45-minute flight from Mumbai to Bengaluru. All right? However... However, when she, when he tried to leave after doing the business, the door wouldn't open due to a lock malfunction, trapping the passenger inside the bathroom. The crew and other passengers attempted to free the flyer from the bathroom, but to no avail. He was relegated to the great honey bucket in the sky for nearly the entire flight. But he did get a letter. Sir, we tried our best to open the door. However, we could not open do not panic. We are landing in a few minutes, so please close to suck, close the commode lid, sit on it, secure yourself. As soon as the main door is open, engineer will come in. Do not panic. I don't always run, but when I do, I run to the Louvre, the potty, the popo. Boy, is that true. I tell you what. Uh, Gary wanted me to talk about my, my uterine infection. What is it? UTI? Urinary tract infection? Oh, man, I got one. I'm telling you, I got one. I didn't think I should talk about it, but Gary, who's the head man, who's the HMFIC, thought I should. Well, I got to tell you, I'm taking some medicine that turns my urine red. Yeah, it's not blood, but it turns it red. It's gross as hell. My wife's like, look, I know you had surgery. I'll do anything for you, but you got to deal with that. And I totally, totally, totally understand. Speaking of the PP, speaking of it, a passenger got his flight refunded after sitting in urine for hours. New Zealand couple demanded a refund from Qantas. Remember Qantas Airlines? After claiming they sat in a passenger's urine for a lengthy international flight, now we know that we have been sitting in urine for a 10-hour trip. The revolting incident happened on December 30th. Two Kiwis flew from Bangkok, Thailand to Sydney, Australia. Their flight went awry when one of them placed his Qantas pillow and other belongings underneath the seat in front of them. All right? Underneath the seat. When the flyer, where did this go here? When the flyer retrieved his pillow, it was damp 
as was their duty-free bag and $70 worth of items. Initially chalking it up to spilled water, the couple stored some of the items in the overhead bin and enlisted the crew captain to replace the soggy pillow. We called the attendant, who was confused, took the pillow away. After several hours, one of the travelers reached under the seat to find a pair of children's underwear and figured it out that the water was, in fact, urine, which meant the couple had been sitting in urine for their 10-hour trip. Man. I don't blame you. Qantas, there's a lot of weird stuff happening with airlines. Like, who lets their kid pee and then takes the underwear and throws it underneath the chair? Who does that? What, we got farm animals? Kids got to pee, you take them to the bathroom. What, 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 what are we doing? Are we a third world country everywhere? I mean, maybe Qantas is in a third world country. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what this is about. I seem, I seem like I have this one every year. A mom in Alabama on a one-in-a-million shot delivered two babies from two uteruses in two days. This is from NPR. NPR has the story. Kelsey Hatcher was born with a double uterus. Is that uteri? I think it is. So Kelsey Hatcher had a uteri. 32 years old, she welcomed two beautiful baby girls into the world. Fraternal twins, they call them, at the University of Alabama. She delivered the first baby at 7.45, followed by the second baby 10 hours later. Her experience is known as decavitary pregnancy, which is a one-in-a-million shot. She was diagnosed as a teenager with uterus dilepsy, commonly referred to as a double uterus. It occurs in 0.3% of women. That's right. So good for her. A lot of weird stuff. But you know what? It's What the Hell Wednesday. There's supposed to be some weird stuff. Hey, you gotta, we're gonna play when we come back, and I want you to play along with me. We're gonna play. The hell did he say? The hell did he just say? With our president, Biden, next. We'll be right back. Gotta take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, I told you yesterday about Illinois State. Illinois State got Belmont just a week or so after Belmont got Illinois State. Illinois State jumped up to a big halftime lead and hung in there. Yeah. Go Redbirds. Two in a row after a six-game losing streak. Now, that's coaching. Six-game losing streak, kept the team together, won a couple in a row. Let's go. President Biden, now let's play this game. What the hell did he say? Let's play President Biden yesterday. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't 
mess with the women in America unless you want to get the benefit. Let's teach General Trump a valuable lesson. Play that again, will you please? What do you think he is saying here? We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women in America unless you want to get the benefit. I got this. Let's teach Donald Trump a lesson. Don't mess with the women of America, something benefit. One more time, I'm sorry, I'm just amused by this. I'm sorry, I'm just amused by this. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women of America unless you want to get the benefit. Huh? That is your president. Now, for those of you that are just Biden crazy fans, that's cool. Good for you. It ain't going to get better. Just these things don't get better. They don't all of a sudden snap out of it. You know, they, they, they don't. I'm sorry. They don't. If you think they're gonna, you're wrong. I mean, I guess the other day, Trump mistook Pelosi for somebody, I forget, and people lost their mind on it. You know, you hear about this, crickets. If any other person in the world, anybody, anybody would speak like that as the president of the United States, of the whatever you have in Russia, the Ukraine, Zelensky, I mean, anybody anywhere that's a leader of a country would speak like that, there would be outrage. But there isn't here. And it's very, very weird. Uh, I like this. I never cared about it. I didn't care one way or the other about it. I did not care. It did not bother me one way or the other. A lot of people did. A lot of people don't. But I'm starting to like the fact that athletes are talking about God. I like this because, as Tommy Tuberville just said, the Democrats, the liberals want to divide and conquer. They don't want nuclear families. They don't want a community where everybody gets along. They have to divide. Faith brings us together. Faith also divides us because it's a hot-button issue. But the more I think athletes of C.J. Stroud's ilk, great player, great guy, the more they talk about faith, the more it will resonate with younger people and maybe have an impact moving forward. Here's C.J. Stroud talking about others reaching out to him about his discussion of faith. I've gotten a lot, a lot of great um, people who have reached out and even guys after games like who are um, who just talk about like how I mentioned God and, and Christ and things like that and. I always tell people it's not it's not me, you know what I'm saying? It's him. Like it's not it's nothing I can do to ever repay what what the Lord has done in my life, you know, and I don't want to. Like, I just want to act in uh what he he's called me to do, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not perfect. I, I make mistakes um every day, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time I know the God that I serve is is a forgiving and graceful God and I I can just appreciate that and um I even like uh, coach Harbaugh uh um even saying that after the um after they beat us, like you can just see, like 
there's a lot of us out here too that love the Lord, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And um, I, I appreciate everybody who reaches out. And I'm not doing it to look cool or whatever. I'm doing it because that's what God called me to do. See, how great is that? Yeah, you know, how great is that? I know people say, hey, look, I don't want politics or religion in my sports. Well, I got to tell you, that cat's out of the bag. It's gone. Politics is everywhere you look, whether it's on player shoes, whether it's in the end zone, whether it's on the goalpost. Politics is here. Religion is here. And frankly, I would much rather have, much rather have religion than I would politics in my sports. And I hope more and more people start coming out with it. I used to say, all right, you know how you have those circles on the field and everybody's praying. I used to say guys are just praying not to get caught for all the stupid stuff they're going to do later on tonight. That used to be my thing. That used to be how I looked at it. I don't look at it anymore. I think people like C.J. Stroud are legit. I think people like John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, excuse me, are legit in their faith. And I love the fact that they're sharing it because let's make no mistake. We are at a crossroads here. We have evil among us. I'm not just talking about politically. I mean, just look at the numbers of crime. Look at the people and the irresponsibility of people. One thing religion does is it at least gives you some guardrails to have not only faith in something, but a way to live your life. I'm not saying that everybody is going to go to church and live their life as a church-going great person from going to church. I'm not saying that, but I am saying this. You go to church, and guess what? When's the last time you went to church and you didn't feel better coming out of church? I'll hang up and listen. Even when I was a kid, and my mother had to drag my brother and I kicking and screaming to go to church, 10 o'clock mass, St. Peter and Paul. When you left the church and you were in the car, and we were going to go home or stop at Dunkin' Donuts if it was a treat, or we were going to stop at the store if my mom needed something, you felt better. Don't know why. I don't have the answer. But you felt better. Well, even if you're a bad guy, you're going to feel better. Even if you did something wrong on Saturday night and you're in church on Sunday, you're going to feel better. What's wrong with that? And I would argue and I would challenge you to be realistic and honest about this. I would challenge you to say, hey, look, no, you're wrong. I go to church every Sunday. I don't feel any different after. You can say that, but I ain't buying it. No, nah, I'm not buying it even a little bit. I don't think it's even gutsy anymore to come out the way C.J. Stroud or John Harbaugh have. I don't. I think we're living in an interesting time. I think we're living in a time of real evil, but I also think we're living in a time where people are desperate to get rid of that evil and people are more accepting of athletes sharing their faith. And it wasn't that long ago that Tim Tebow got absolutely demolished for taking a knee, for sharing his faith. It wasn't that long ago and we had the guy on our show, the high school coach, got fired for taking a knee on the field after a game. He subsequent to that got his job back. That wasn't very long ago. That was three or four years ago. And I am not the guy. I've never went on after a game in an interview and said, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I will let you in on a secret. I pray every day. I give thanks every morning. 
And I mentioned the guys and girls that work on this show specifically, and I thank, thank God for them. You don't have to do it publicly, but most people pray pot privately. Most people give thanks. Some people don't believe. That's fine. You do whatever you want to do. But I think right now we are in a position where I hope, I do, I hope more athletes continue this trend. I hope more athletes are unafraid to get up there. I hope more athletes are unafraid to support one another. It's such a better story than reading about the latest exploits of Pac-Man Jones. It's such a better story than reading of the stupidity of Kyrie Irving or people being mad like Kyrie Irving that somebody brought a, I'm a proud Jewish person signed to a game. I mean, those stories are tired. Those stories are ridiculous. Those stories are awful. What a nice story that arguably the best young quarterback the NFL has ever seen, at least after one year, is unabashed, unafraid to share his faith with not only his teammates, his family, but the world, because make no mistake about it, C.J. Stroud, when he speaks now, is talking to the world. The NFL is so big, he has a worldwide platform. And it's nice that he talks about others approaching him, others appreciating him sharing his particular message. Now, one of the things with athletes sharing the message is what I said earlier. Raise your hand if you think there's a lot of hypocrisy with that. I'll raise my hand. I've always said that. And it's one of the reasons I like going to Traders Point Christian Church, because Aaron Brockett, the pastor... Aaron Brockett is unafraid to call out that hypocrisy and unafraid to get real and say, look, many people don't want to come to a church like this because they see people waving their hands or they see people praising God and they see people singing and they know they're full of crap. And he's right. But such a better way to go about, such a better way to read about, such a better way to hear about athletes, or anybody, when we're talking a positive message about Jesus, a positive message about Christ, a positive message about religion. So, good, not good, great, great for C.J. Stroud, great for John Harbaugh. I'd never seen that before, side note, I'd never seen before a coach get up there with a Bible and read scripture at a press conference. I hope we see more of it. I really do. I hope we see more. I hope we read articles by these pizza-stained writers that are mad about it. I hope and pray we see more of it because God knows we need some of it. God knows we need all of it. So good for C.J. Stroud, good for Harbaugh. In fact, I said this when Stroud did it. When Stroud got up there after the game that they won in the playoffs, I told Lee, watch, he's going to thank Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He did. He did. It's pretty good. And that kid has a sincerity. John Harbaugh has a sincerity about him that I believe. And I hope they don't stop. I hope they don't ever stop. Period. Period. Don't stop. Keep it going, keep it rolling, keep talking, and maybe, just maybe at some point, 
we'll get a lot of people listening, and maybe, just maybe at some point, we'll figure out that we got to drive out evil and we got to support one another. It ain't that hard. It's not. It doesn't seem that hard. I don't know. A Pennsylvania high school is reclaiming its Warriors logo thanks to five new school committee members standing up against cancel culture. Think it, listen to this. After the school was forced to remove the logo back in 2021, thanks to the previous board. The movement was about erasing Native American culture, and I wasn't about to stand for it. Jennifer Hankel, mother of three, and one of the new board members. How about that? People said, hey, uh uh-uh, we're not using warrior. Jennifer Hankel said the movement was about erasing Native American culture, and I was not about to stand for it. The Southern York County School District School Board voted 7-2 to on Thursday to allow Susquehannock High School to bring back its traditional logo. Do we have the logo? It is going to piss off people that got nothing better to do than to get pissed off. But it's a logo of a warrior, the feathers, warrior nation. It'll just piss you off if you're that kind of idiot. There you go. Home of the Warriors. Calumet, my dad's school when he was principal. Home of the Warriors. Damn right. What's wrong with being a damn warrior? Need you as a warrior. Hey, you know who Haley Davidson is? Haley Davidson is the dude that for some reason is trying to make it on the LPGA Tour. She, he acknowledges that men have a physical advantage over women. Really? But claims, a.k.a. biology, yet believes since men have done hormone therapy and undergone reassignment surgery, they shouldn't be looked at as having an advantage over fellow female competitors. Okay, good. Great. Wonderful. Just give me the science. Hey, look, you're born a dude, you're transitioning to a woman, you play against the dudes. You're born a woman, you're transitioning to a man, you play against the men. Simple. You should want to play against the best. That makes you play against the best. You just get tired of some of these things, and you get tired of these kind of dudes, guys, women, whatever the hell they are. Uh, Tristan Thompson, remember Tristan Thompson, he of the Kardashian baby daddies? Tristan Thompson's an interesting guy. Tristan Thompson was pretty valuable when LeBron James at all won championship in Cleveland. He was like a rebounding crazy machine. And now he's like a guy that you only hear about when something stupid happens. He took some roids and he got himself suspended 25 games for the anti-doping, violating the anti-drug policy. Speaking of NBA players, remember this clown Kevin Porter Jr.? You don't really see this very often. Kevin Porter Jr. was a former first-round pick in the NBA draft. He admitted, you never see this, to attacking an ex-girlfriend during an altercation September of 23, but will avoid jail time because he reached a plea agreement. Now, I got to tell you, you know what you normally see. No, man, I didn't do it. No, I I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Wasn't me. Wasn't there. Don't know anything about it. This dude just said guilty as charged. Hey, the Eagles are still shaking things up, man. There's some weird stuff going on 
with the Eagles. And that's not me talking. That's, as you know, sources getting out there. Offensive coordinator Brian Johnson, he gone. Very weird because you got a guy, and think about this. You got a guy in Sirianni who took a team to the Super Bowl. He was the guy, tough guy, not afraid to come back at fans. They get off 10 and 1, and I'm telling you, the whole thing imploded. And now it's going to be blamed on Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator, or the defensive coordinator, or the assistant, whoever. But the truth of the matter is there's something inside of that building between Jalen Hurts and Sirianni that has to get repaired. I've been told this privately, but it's also obvious publicly. You don't fall from where the Philadelphia Eagles were. 10-1, and one, coming off a Super Bowl, tush-push, all this stuff, supposed great leaders in Jason Kelsey, Jalen Hurts. You don't all of a sudden get to a point where you lose a bunch at the end, you look disinterested in the end. It's not even that you lost a bunch at the end. It's that you look disinterested in the end. You look like a team that wanted to do anything other than play in the NFL playoffs, which is stunning to me. And if you could not see that, then you are blind because it was clear as day as you watched even the first play of the playoff game. They didn't hustle. They were out there, but there's a big difference between out there to play and out there to compete. And there was nothing about the Philadelphia Eagles that made it out there to compete. And nobody can tell me it's the offensive coordinator or it's Matt Patricia, whether he's the defensive coordinator or it's the defensive coordinator that got demoted to upstairs. Nobody can tell me that. That isn't it. That isn't the way sports works. It's deeper than that. There's something there between Jalen Hurts and the team slash the coach. And I don't think it'll come out maybe a year or two from now. This is what always happens with me. I tell you what's going to come out a year or two from now. You forget. I don't. And then I reclaim my greatness. But something's coming. And it may be sooner than a year or two. But Sirianni basically got neutered. He went from the guy yelling at Kansas City fans, I don't want to hear this ass anymore, to the guy right now cowering in meetings, with his owner, trying to keep his job while sacrificing basically anybody that's in their way. It's an amazing fall. It's a 30-for-30 type fall. It is. It is. It's 30-for-30. David Hickey Hickey is out as the athletic director at Arizona. It's very weird. The guy's been there seven years. Guy's been there seven years. By all accounts, football program did pretty good. By all accounts, and when they got through all the crap with Sean Miller, well, it worked out pretty good that they got Tommy Lloyd. So the basketball program is doing pretty good. But this guy is out. You know what I'm sniffing? You know what I'm sniffing? I'm sniffing money or sex. That's what I'm sniffing. You can tell me I'm wrong, but it always comes down to it. The guy was 11 years at Central Michigan, by all accounts had an unbelievable reputation. He lost his football coach. 
Jeb Fish, who went 10-3, and which meant he hired a good football coach in Jeb Fitch. He went to Washington. Uh, next thing you know, after the best football season in 25 years, they fired the AD. In November, it was revealed that a $240 million budget miscalculation and warned of draconian cuts. There was problem in the athletic department that they weren't generating enough income. All right. I got to tell you, it's always money or it's always the sex. Always, always, always. Don't at me about it. The guy made a good hire to replace the guy, Jeff Fish. The guy hired Tommy Lloyd from Gonzaga. The basketball program is back to being terrific. But he still got fired. Uh, No surprise here, Chiefs Bills, most watched divisional playoff game ever. I've told you this before. This is where this is headed. Over 50 million viewers. 50 million. Wow. Actually, 50,390,000 viewers for the Chiefs and the Bills. Now, I don't know about you, but that ain't the two biggest markets out there. That ain't the two biggest markets. Those two markets, eh. All right, quickly, because we got to be out of here. Stay right here. Clay Travis is going live right after us. Give me the woke dope people. Woke dope, woke woke dope. Trump sucks, Trump sucks, Trump sucks, Trump sucks, Trump sucks, Trump sucks, Trump sucks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You know, it is amazing. It is amazing the attention these women get on the View. It is. Like, I don't know any of their names. I guess I know Whoopi Goldberg. Is that her? Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, yeah, maybe I do know that Sony lady's name. I've never, one time, not ever watched a show. But that is entertainment for liberals. You know, well, Trump. No, I wasn't going to say, I was going to say, you know, the Cubs are pretty good. Yeah, well, Trump. Huh? Yeah, Trump. Huh? Okay. That's all you got to do is say something and you will get back. Yeah, but Trump sucks. Okay, next. Your taxes go into the pockets of these men crossing into the border, into the country. I've told you before, I'll tell you again, first time I've ever not wanted to pay taxes, ever. Zip. Zero. Zilch. Did not. Do not. And it's not only the Ukraine, but it's this as well. Where are our tax dollars going? A $5,000 gift card to an illegal guy crossing the border illegally. Beautiful. Next. Biden has everything under control. If Maury doesn't give it to you, that's a lie. Is that Maury or is that Springer? I can't remember. Looks like Maury to me. Yeah, that's Maury. It says Maury. My agent named Maury. I like Maury. Hey, I want to thank everybody. We're going to get out of here. Thanks to everybody that was on our show. Tommy Tuberville, the inner was great. The interview was great. Thank you to Beth the Booker. Thank you, Kaylee and Haley and Dylan and Nick and Nick and everybody involved in our show, the great Aaron. Of course, Gary. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. 